All right, so I'm a philosopher, which means that I've been, um, I've learned a lot in the last two days, and I've been way quieter than I normally am at conferences because I've been listening. Um, and I was talking to Bonnie, and Bonnie says, I've never taken a philosophy class. I've never taken a, a, a computer science class. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my version of Plato in a nutshell, and we'll come back to it when we um, sort of talk about moral hazard. So here's Plato in a nutshell. Frank, you're living. But that's a euphemism for dying rather slowly. Okay? And the best that you can do is die well. Plato in a nutshell. That's it. And so it, it, the dying well, so to funny. Dying well. Dying well is not something that you can get a technical answer for. Okay? It's a normative issue. Um, and I would suggest that Plato, uh, Plato is on the trail of something pretty significant when it comes to security. So when you ask, what are you securing? It is not a password, okay? Or you will not motivate a user by way of a password. You will motivate a user by tapping into that existential issue of you are dying. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm not joking. <laughs> so, so, so I, I, I think, so you want to give up on the idea of making people better, and that's what I can't do, right? As, yes, people take as given. Yeah, take as given. That's something that philosophers won't do. So, or ethicists should not do. And I would suggest that um, the security industry should take that seriously. So there are two sides to it. Uh, people, people, can, uh, people can be made better. That's what ethicists believe in. So let's go to the moral hazard of drones. It is related. So a moral hazard um, is from an economics or from the insurance industry where those people who, or those agents who don't have to shoulder the consequences of particular actions are more inclined to take those actions. And Plato, as Frank said last time, came up with this, or in some rudimentary form, in the Ring of Gyges, puts on the ring, banishes, no consequences, takes over the kingdom, okay? We sometimes talk about this in terms of actors, or like bad, bad characters, individual bad characters, um, perpetrators, who Mark called bad guys last time. Plato is not worried about normal, you and me, perpetrator bad guys. He's worried about Peter. Right? Or he's worried about Bruce. He's worried about people in power. He's not worried about me. He's worried about people in power. Those people, those very people, right, who have no incentive to be moral or just. And, and Plato's onto this. And I, and I think we should be onto it too. So, when it comes to. Um, Plato is responding, just, uh, I'll keep an eye on the time, but Plato is responding to a particular historical situation, Peloponnesian Wars, okay? And Thucydides, when he talks about the Peloponnesian Wars, they're the, the Athenians who are technologically advanced, and they're the Spartans. And all the Platonic dialogues should be understood in response to those Peloponnesian Wars. Now, why, why am I bringing this up? The Athenians had the cruise missile of the ancient world, the Tyrene, right? This, this ship that could get in and out, and, it, and they, they used it very arrogantly through the first Peloponnesian War. And the Spartans were decimated. But then, arms race happened, Spartans caught up, 
right? And eventually, in the Third Peloponnesian War, they invade uh, Athens. Athens has the brilliant idea of securing the borders with great walls that run straight from Athens to Piraeus. You know, put up those firewalls, like, keep the, keep the invaders out. You know what happens? Does it, anybody know what happens? Yeah, what happens, David? David, what happens? <laughs> they die. The Athenians die. Disease takes control of the city. And, and in fact, the very walls that were meant to keep people out are the things that create havoc inside Athens. This is a nice little illustration of security gone wrong. This is the situation that Socrates is responding to, or that Plato is responding to in the Republic. Arrogance, arrogance, and moral hazard, those two things coming together. And this is the concern that I had when I began to think about drone warfare in 2004. Um, and so my claim, or the claim that Sarah Kreps and I make, is that um, having particular technological capacities create a moral hazard for leaders, for drone operators, and for a public. This does not mean that drones are necessarily bad. They aren't. But, but the issue is, is that we need to have serious conversations about the moral hazard associated with new military technologies. And notice that we are more inclined, perhaps, to use these technologies when we don't face the consequences of these technologies. So, um, one of the concerns that I have is that clandestine, war, clandestine military action has always taken place, but never has it been so ubiquitous and at so low cost, right? Um, so uh, one of the concerns that I have is uh, when, Obama, when President Obama defends um, the AUMF or the authorization of the use of military force, oftentimes his explanations, and people can correct me here, but often his explanations turn on um, the lack of military personnel on the ground or the defense of those troops. In other words, if we do not put troops in harm's way, um, it doesn't constitute a military action or it doesn't constitute a wartime or it doesn't, it doesn't um, yeah, it doesn't constitute a sort of traditional military action. So, um, Mike Azenko at the um, Council of Foreign Relations says, despite nearly 10 years of non-battlefield target, uh, targeted killings, no congressional committee has been conducted, it has conducted a hearing on any aspect of them. That's not exactly true, but he comes close to the, to the issue at hand. So, for drone operators, there's a moral hazard. Clem Ryan, who uh, works with Henry Hsu, um, makes the claim that drone operators experience disassociation, and this, this allows them to more easily conduct um, what uh, Shannon was describing as sniper activities without facing um, the same type of uh, heartfelt you know, problems that you might have if I go after Adam right here, okay? So uh, this, however, does create problems for drone operators in another way. It creates what was uh, described in a UN report as, or rather a DOD report, as an existential crisis. There seems to be this uh, sort of disruption or disjunction between committing activity, you know, having dinner with your uh, wife or husband or spouse or partner in Arizona, and then going and killing people half a world away. And uh, many, many drone operators uh, are facing 
what is sometimes described as PTSD, but they describe it as an existential crisis. Philosophy is meant to deal with existential crisis. <laughs> it's, it's not meant to create existential crisis. It's meant to deal with it. I'm serious about this. So uh, responsibility, philosophers are trained to talk about responsibility. There's a public problem or a public moral hazard, and it goes something like this. In 2011, when you asked uh, 700 Americans uh, where, where do most drone strikes occur, 30% get the right answer. Texas. <laughs> well, and uh, I mean, you laugh, but I mean, this is a very serious issue. I mean, uh, we do not know, or we, meaning Americans, do not know where where the activity is going on. Now, that that's in part because it's covert, but it's in part because we just don't care, right? We do not have any flesh in this fight, right? And in fact, that's the weird thing. Like, the public wants troop protection, and so what do you get? When you don't get peaceful action, you get drones, right? So, the, but, but the odd sort of uh, irony of this is that Kant, for example, predicts that democracies won't go to war with each other because uh, citizens want to keep their citizen soldiers at home, okay? But what Kant doesn't anticipate is that what we actually create is a new type of warfare that keeps our citizens at home, right? And so military action goes on, but it doesn't stop the doesn't stop the the, the military activity. Um, so media, I think um, if I had more time, and maybe in the Q and A, I'd be happy to talk about the banality of evil, um, technological rationality, and um, the strange conflation of ought and is. When we describe um, drone warfare, it's, it's very easy to say what is possible is the same as what is permissible. And I think that that's a conflation that's very dangerous. David Hume had some things to say about that. So I'll, I'll stop there. Thanks.